So as we've been talking about Romans, we're going to continue down to Romans, but today I'm going to use a number of other passages to, to, uh, to articulate this, because this is something that we Christians, I think we know, we understand, <coughs> but maybe sometimes we can justify in our mind doing other things. And, uh, and maybe I'm not talking about you, but maybe I'm talking about me. And uh, so this morning, we're going to be talking about being subject to government and the authorities that are over us. And so I want to ask you a few questions. Now, I think I'm going to answer all of these questions this morning. I'm not going to distinctly answer all of them for you from the pulpit, but I want you to contemplate some because I don't know if you, maybe you have as a Christian. So we'll start off with the first one, and I specifically made sure I did this on the way to church this morning. Do you stop at all stop signs? Do you obey the speed limit? Now I tell you, my father, this is one of the things, you know, I can critique my father on many things, but you, you know, I look at my father's life and I see how he tried, and this is one of the areas that, you know, Bethay's prior to uh, mid-60s, you know, deer hunting season was 12 months a year. And you could shoot anything. Now, Mike's up here laughing. He's catching exactly what I'm saying. In other words, there were no laws for the Bethay's. And my father came along and became a Christian, and he said, you know, not supposed to do this. So we he started trying to live. And then my, my dad's favorite hunting sport is turkeys. You're only supposed to kill two turkeys in Florida, but we all know game warden's going to be hard pressed to catch when you kill two turkeys. So therefore most people, but my dad to this day he adheres to the two turkey rule. Why? Not because he's going to be caught, because it take a lot for him to get called. But his influence on his kids and his grandkids, which it made. And I still remember my dad, you know, driving 55. And I got where I, you know, dad got on me a couple times. And I, and I, and I got where I was good at 55. And then we changed the law where you could do 55 or 65. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I still have trouble with that. So what is, what's the speed limit? And, and what are you telling your family whenever you do these things? Do we kill our limited game? I kind of talked about that. You know, the hard one for me is in the spring, come March 1st, grouper season opens in state waters. State waters is 13 miles out. Now, where you are on the coast, are you 13 miles out? Or are you 14 miles out? Or are you 15 miles out? Now, our game wardens in our area, they say, if we catch you in anything 30 to 40 foot of water, we're going to let you go. So they kind of, and that's that's a good rule of, I mean, what they're doing is, is you make rules of thumb because that's about the time. But I can tell you, I've been out 50 foot of water. Big grouper swims by. Game wardens all going to know. But God knows. And what's the example? And I haven't always been perfect. So what are we doing with our game? 
Do we pay all of our taxes? Do we? Whenever we get cash, do we record that ledger so that comes uh, April, whatever tax day is, I just forgot, April 14th or whatever it is, 15th. Do we put it in the ledger or do we pay taxes on that? So here's the one I want to ask. If you were back in 1776, could you revolt as a Christian against Britain? If you were in 1861, could you have revolted against the Northern States? I hope I'm going to answer these questions for you. Some of these questions I'm going to let you ponder. Because it's your answer, because you're the one that's got to stand before God. The Bible's very clear on this subject matter. Now, I am not going to, in, in the United States, and this is why, we, why I just asked those two last questions, we sometimes confuse our freedoms and our rights and don't look at the laws. I have the right to protest. I have the right to do many things. But I don't have the right to break the law. And so think about those things. Those are very interesting, especially go back to the Revolutionary War. Notice how some of the founding fathers wrote some of the documents. Because they knew they had to get Christians over the fact they were rebelling against government. Go back and look at some of the founding documents in light of that. You never see that in secular writings. You never see any of that, but at least from my perspective, I think I see them working to try to get the masses, the, the church-going people over that. So those are the questions, so let's see what the scriptures say about this question. So, uh, Romans, 13th chapter, let's read that. Every person, and my Bible says except Clay is to be a suggestion of governing authorities. Sander actually tells me that certain road signs have the exception of Claypothega. Every person is to be a suggestion of governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Notice the logic. We are supposed to be in subjection of authority, because the authority is given from God. So whenever I violate man's law, am I violating man's law or am I violating God's law? It doesn't matter whether I agree with it or not. It doesn't matter. Why do, do bow hunters get to go out and kill a deer before me? I don't agree with that law. And why does somebody with black power, and we'll go back to my other frustration, is, and they get to use crossbows now. And crossbows are as accurate as high-powered rifles nowadays. And you can get a muzzle loader that is as accurate as my 270. And they get to go shoot the deer before me. Now, my logic is right. 
So therefore, I get to take my rifle and go shoot. And Mike shaking his head correctly. Do you see how I went down that path? Do you do that? Do we do those kind of logics to get around man's laws? And I don't do that, by the way. But that is my logic. It is one of those frustration things for me. And I understand. And I understand what we're doing. And I actually, if I was voting, I'd probably agree with it. But I wouldn't give them as much time as they get. <laughs> um, so there's no authority except by God. Verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinances of God. And those who, those who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. This is just as bad as not following worship. This is just as bad... As, as mistreating orphans and widows. For rulers are not the cause of fear to fear cause of fear for good behavior but for evil. So he's telling you rulers are there for our, our benefit, for good. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good but if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. And notice it allows there, it allows the government to bear the sword. And that's a whole other discussion, that governments get to bear the sword. For it is a minister of God, an avenger of, who brings <laughs> wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection not only because of the wrath, but also for conscience sakes. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them. Tax to whom tax is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. And owe no one... Uh, and owe... Owe nothing to anyone except for love one another, for uh, he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. So the whole point we go down that whole logic, he's telling us government has authority, we got to keep their customs, and we have to do that. Now, are there any exceptions to that? And before we go there, now, it's important that you understand a timeline here as, as we're, we're, we're going to go forward. Romans is written, we think, in the early 50s. Okay? Romans is written in the early 50s. Nero becomes the leader of Rome in 54. And Nero goes from 54 all the way to 68. Now why is that important for us to understand that? And that's why I get out of some passages here. Usually I stay with one book and say, this is what God meant. But I think it's a more powerful lesson whenever you understand timelines in this one. Nero, by secular history, used to dip Christians in oil and stick them on top of lampposts and light wrong. Nero was not our friend. He was for a while, but then he needed a scapegoat, and he used the Christians as his scapegoat. 
So we just read a passage. Now, Paul wrote this prior to what I just told you happened, or what we believe happened. Everybody got that? So now we're going to go. So remember that fact. This is written in the early 50s, 54 to 68, Nero starts. So we're, that's we're going to come back to those dates. Um. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Because this is, this is Christ talking here. And, and we, we just studied this not long ago. But this is Christ talking. And he's trying to be tricked. <laughs> Jews did not want to pay a poll tax. And there's, there's actually a lot more depth here that, that I need to go back and study myself. But the whole point I wanted to say is that what Christ did in verse 21, um, he, at, he asked, well, let's, let's go to verse, eight, uh, verse 17. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their malice and said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin you used to pay the poll tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he said, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Render to Caesar's the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Why do we not? So his whole point was the government issued the coin. It must be the government's coin. So they give it to him. Why do we not want to pay poll taxes? Why do we not want to pay taxes? Is it because of covetousness? <clears throat> I tell you, every year I see my tax bill. As one Christian told me, he said, be thankful you pay a lot of taxes. That means you make more money. But I, I'm not happy about the money I pay. But at the end of the day, whose inscription is on that dollar bill? I didn't make it. God didn't make it. You can say God made it in one pair. But the whole point is, it's about my covetous just to what I want to pay. Um, so, I've lost a passage here in my notes. I noticed before I, before I got up here, I did some other, I did a abbreviation. Whenever Christ is front, in front of Pilate, I, and I've lost my passage, but it's in Matthew, actually it's in John, and um, there it is. Okay, it was printing my pages. Turn to John 19, verses 9 through 12. Christ restates what he says here whenever he's in front of Pilate. And this is, so Pilate's asking Christ questions. Where are you from? Jesus gave no answer. And so Pilate said to him, do you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and have authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me unless 
it, it had been given to you, given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. But what I wanted to point out in John, Christ restates what Paul said in Romans. All authority is from God. So as Pilate is questioning Christ, Christ lets him know, yes, you do have authority, but it only comes from God. So Christ reiterates what Paul says. So um, go to 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2, verses 13 and 17. This is where it gets... So, this is, so we read Paul's rendition before Nero comes in. Now this is Peter's rendition of what we Christians are supposed to do. And it, it, it lines up perfectly with Paul. Verse 13. Submit yourselves to the Lord's sake to every human institution whether to the king as to one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men, act as a free man. So the, the whole point here is Peter is writing this in six, around 66. Remember when Nero was persecuting the Christians? This is whenever Peter's writing this. Do you not think that it's been spread? Now this is 66. This is right before uh, Nero's going to go out of power. But they've already started heading towards... Um, well, they're actually already in Jerusalem, sieging uh, Jerusalem to destroy it in 70 AD. And so... Uh, that's when Titus has to leave the army there in Jerusalem. He comes back because Nero, uh, I think, died. And so the whole point is, is this uh, atrocities against the church has already started. And Peter's still saying, follow authorities that are set up by God. I think that's key. Same thing in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy says, first of all, I urge you that entreaties and prayers and petitions thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for the kings and all who are in authority so that uh, we may lead a tranquil and quiet peace of life. He's actually telling us to pray for our leaders and he's telling us so that we can live a peace and tranquil life. So not only are we supposed to follow them, we're supposed to pray for them and we're praying so that we can come here and worship without fear of molestation. I would be remiss in giving this, this talk without showing is there a time we can do something against the government. Now notice what I'm fixing to articulate and illustrate is not rebellion. I would call it a peaceful protest. So let's jump back to the Old Testament and let's look at how Daniel did it, because this is the first example I want to show. In Daniel 1, verses 8 through 21, we won't read that for the second time. But in that, you have Daniel 
the king has given instruction that everybody's got to eat from the king's table. And Daniel says, this violates my Jewish rules. So he goes to the person in charge and says, listen, we're not supposed to do this. Will you let us eat the way we we're supposed to eat? And let's see how it works out. And after 10 days, they start seeing a difference. Now notice Daniel didn't stand up and start a whisper campaign by the, by the Jews that were in Babylon and saying, guys, we've got to rebel because these guys are asking us to do things wrong. He didn't do that. He went about it in an appropriate manner to, to do that. Have we seen that in our society today? When the Affordable Care Act came into place, every company had to pay for abortion. Anybody remember, I think it was Hobby Lobby that filed a lawsuit against the federal government? Do you think that was a peaceful protest saying, we don't agree with this? And they got relief from that. They did it correctly. They didn't start a civil war. Now, Hobby Lobby, I do not know the owners. I'm not going to sit here and tell you. I, I don't know their beliefs, but I know they pursued Christian values. And I will tell you that they did that correctly. And, and I think that's something we as Christians should look at. They followed Daniel's mythology, method, methodology. Now, let's get a little bit harder situation here. Daniel, the third chapter, verses 8 through the fourth chapter. You can read that, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it. Now, there's been an order from the king to bow down to idols. This is a strict violation of God's law. This would be like the United States government coming out and saying, Christians, you cannot meet on Sunday, you cannot partake of the Lord's Supper, so how do we handle this situation? How did Dan, how did Rashad, Meshach, and Abednego handle it? They didn't bow. So when the horns blew, they didn't bow. This is whenever they're thrown in the fiery furnace. So, did they have punishment? God was allowed it. Now, did he use that punishment to show his glory? Absolutely. Now, in the fourth chapter, the verse three verses there, Nebuchadnezzar repents and said, your God is the most powerful because whenever they needed that furnace, remember the guys that threw them in were killed, but they walked out. Now, I work around furnaces, boilers, at work, and I can tell you the amount of heat that man can generate can blister you in a moment. And that's what I imagine. In other words, I can imagine these guys, they were pumping the air in there. They had, they had it hot, and they were pumping. They understood how to make fire. Because by this time, we had metal chariots, and we had metallurgy, and so they knew, they knew how to make something hot. But God saved them. But, so, what does the New Testament say about this? So everybody turned to Acts, the fifth chapter. And this is where the council has told um, Peter 
has told them no longer teach the gospel. Do not go teach the gospel anymore. Keep your mouth shut. And so in verse 28, they say, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. Now, Peter, we don't ever realize a riot from Christian teachings. Us Christians are supposed to be teaching the gospel. We are supposed to be peace-loving people. We studied that in verse 12. We're supposed to live in peace with all men as it is up to us. So, but we're all supposed to teach the gospel. We're supposed to come together, Hebrews, the 10th chapter. We're supposed to come together and assemble. Now, whenever we come together, we don't need to be figuring out how to how to rise up against the devil. Now I can't explain to you if if our government started locking up Christians and uh, you know I don't think we have the right to bear arms against our government. Now can I go to the polls? Now would I work hard politically against the current rulers to to do that, that is set up in our laws. But the point here is there are times we're told not to do certain things. Uh, we're, we're, if our government tells us we have the right to go against that. But I, I still have the question do we have the, the question to, to revoke? Um, going on down and so Paul comes back. So in Romans, he wrote this passage in Romans. And then later in Nero's rule, he writes to the Colossian brethren. And he reiterates in Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones and dominions, rulers and authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. So notice that thrones and dominions and authorities are created by God. That's Paul's writing. Turn to Titus, the third chapter, verses 1 through two, one and 2. This is written, we think, in 66. So this is two years before Nero goes away. The persecution of the church has occurred. And remember where Paul is at this time. He's in Rome. And notice what he writes. Remind them to be subject to their rulers if they're nice. It doesn't say that. It says, remind them to be subject to their rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. As a Christian, I have a responsibility to the authorities that rule over me. Now, we have a ballot box in this country and we have freedom of speech. 
But I would tell you, as Christians, we need to handle that freedom of speech, not like what we see today. I don't. I think people are disrespectful to the office. It doesn't matter whether you agree with the person's politics that's in the office. We still have to respect the office. Whether you like President Trump and the way his demeanor is, I still think you have to respect him as a president. Now, whenever you go to the ballot box, you can vote against him. I think you can speak against some of his policies, but you have to give honor to him. Whether it was Obama, you still had to give honor. I think whenever you talk about the Affordable Care Act and abortion, I, I really have a problem with that. But if I met President Obama, it would be, Mr. President, I would give honor. I would even dress up. I would even say I'm supposed to make myself nice and, and give honor to our president. Doesn't matter whether it's Bill Clinton, Bush, Reagan, Truman, just going back down the line, wherever, whatever your politics are, they're still our leaders. It's our governor. It's our county commissioners. Because notice it didn't only say kings, it said governors and other authorities. I don't always agree with our authorities. Now, can I go and disagree with them? And I'll tell you how I do it. I usually do it properly. I usually will let them know where I stand privately. And if I do go publicly to speak, you'll see my best face on to show respect because I don't want anybody to see that. Now, I, I, whenever I'm privately, I do, I do uh, they, there's no question where I stand typically. And, and the reason I do it privately so whenever I'm in front of them, they, they have a context of private. But I still make sure I give honor. And I think we have to do that. I think you have to do that to your school board. So think about all the different authorities that we have in our society. Whether I disagree with them, I have to give, I have to give honor to them. That's what us Christians are supposed to do. Now notice, I didn't say we couldn't disagree with them. But we've got to do it correctly. We have to show honor. As you live your life, maybe this is not a tough one for you. It is, you know, at times this has been tough. I, I, you know, I give the illustrations about turkeys and, and deer. I think those are small compared to some of the things that we could deal with today. There might be a day that we might be like a communist country, that we have to meet in private. We might have to be sick. But we still have to honor that government on everything that we can and only do what we can do as peaceful as we can. And I don't think as Christians we can incite a riot. Whenever I say that, you know, take that to you start the riots and then you, you grow and that. So that's the lesson today. This is a basic, simple Christian lesson. Uh, if people under, if, I think um, Christians understood that throughout the centuries, we would have had a few less wars. It's not an easy one to do, especially when oppression is occurring. 
But that's why I bring out, and that's why I went through the timeline in Nero and what he did. And there was a lot of other atrocities that Nero brought against Christians. I just, I just told you one. But as Christians, we're, we're to respect the laws and respect. Now, in, in our United States, it's very easily. This is, this is nothing, uh, relatively speaking. Um, so uh, let's remember that. Let's remember that, that that's part of our duty. That's, that's one of those commandments that we have as Christians. If there's anyone here that needs to obey the gospel, if there's anyone here that needs to repent of sin publicly, uh, we always leave this time at the end of services to, to uh, make those right. But it's also for us to help each other. So come forward as we stand. <clears throat>